Now it's time for Inspirational Women. And my guest, Michelle Holloman, a mental health counselor in private practice here in Seattle. Michelle is also an author, and her new book, Losers, Users, and Abusers, and the Women Who Love Them, is an important resource for each of us, really, to keep on growing and becoming all we were meant to be. Domestic abuse and domestic violence are tragically too much a part of daily life, and I'm grateful to have Michelle join us to share insights into some of the reasons that this is happening. It's not new, but we are certainly talking more about it, and today we want to get a better understanding to get on the path to healing. It's time to meet our special guest. Michelle Holloman, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Thank you, Kate. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's wonderful to have you here because you are an inspiration and such a great source of information for us to talk about something that is just really tough and Mm -hmm. too much a reality in our lives Mm -hmm. these days, and that's domestic violence. I mean, the numbers, the statistics are just horrific, aren't they? They are. The statistics really are quite alarming. If it's not happening to you, it is happening to someone you know, but you just may not know about it. The statistics at this point are one in three women will experience some kind of uh, violence at the hand of a trusted individual, so domestic or otherwise. Uh, Statistics for men are not that much better. It's one in four sometime in their lifetime that they will undergo some kind of uh, violence, either in the home or Uh, some trusted individuals. So they're not great statistics. And along with domestic violence, you know, there's the physical aspect that we see or we recognize on television or we think, oh, that's so terrible. Uh, But it's really that kind of life living in fear that really gets people um, in in a very bad place. So it's not just the physical acts, but it is living a life of uh, insecurity and fear. And just how it happened so constantly, just on the news yesterday, mm-hmm. I had seen how I, a young woman, a college student, uh, I think it was in Utah, was mm-hmm. killed by her boyfriend mm-hmm. because she broke up with him. And then he ended up committing suicide, oh. which is just such a cowardly act yes. in that uh-huh. sort of in situation. That situation. Yes. yes. Oh. So here we see, you know, thinking of that kind of situation, she realizes this is not the relationship she wants. Many women stay for a long time or are mm-hmm. perhaps in a long-term committed relationship, decide they need to leave, and they also still find themselves in yes. harm's way that way. You're exactly right. You know, for um, maybe people who are friends or family of a woman or, or a man who is struggling and is really a victim, it might be hard to understand, oh, gosh, why do they just keep putting up with this? Or why do they keep going back? Or why do they stay But in reality, the most dangerous time for a woman leaving domestic violence is after she leaves. Um, There's something that's triggered in the abuser that's so strong and very irrational that may push them to really take action against her life, against her children's lives. And that's why when we listen to the news and we hear, uh, oh, another a murder, and they think that it was um, somebody that she knew, or it was the ex-boyfriend, or it was um, the husband who got out of jail and was coming to see his kids. As soon as um, that woman is safe and has left, her risk factor actually goes up. 
So it's important when um, a woman is thinking about leaving, even just teasing out the idea about leaving, it's important to get some support. It's important to uh, get some other people who can advocate with you and for you and get as much information about where you're going to be, how it's going to be after you leave. Um, getting a safety plan. Actually, in uh, my book, Loser, Users, and Abusers, and the Women Who Love Them, uh, there's actually a safety plan in there. And a safety plan, not just to keep you safe, but the things that you need to think about before you actually leave. How do I access the records that I need, the financial access, uh, financial records that I need? Maybe I need to keep another phone that he doesn't know about so I can access it anytime that I need. Maybe there's somebody as kind of a hotline person that I can call and go stay with that he doesn't know about. So some safety precautions that uh, before she actually leaves, she can think about and make a plan for. So very critical to really think about all these things. feel sad that that's part Mm -hmm. of life, but practically it's the only common sense thing for us to do. Absolutely. And I think um, from a perspective, maybe sitting on the sidelines and um, seeing a woman go through uh, some kind of domestic violence and, and then think, well, why why is she still doing this? I actually take a very different perspective that they, the women who are in these situations are very intuitively smart and they know how to survive. And it is sad that a, rela- a relationship really should be where you thrive and where you blossom and where you find uh, courage to take new risks and to be uh, the best that you can be. But in these situations, in a domestic violence situation or abusive relationship, psychologically abusive, financially abusive, what have you, those gals are just surviving. And so I think they really have an intuitive sense on how to stay alive. And I defer to them quite a bit. Like, you know the right time. Here's the tools and the skills that you need to make your plan that you know the right time to leave. And one thing that we don't know, we don't know if um, the violence will occur if she leaves, but we do know that violence will not stop if she doesn't. Yes. So it's it's one of those horrible catch-22s. Mm-hmm. So you take what has the greatest amount mm-hmm. of hope. Yes, that's present. right. Yeah, right. that's right. And if someone is listening right now and their heart is racing and they think, I've got to figure out my next steps, havencc.org is a great place to look. And they are um, a place that's local here in Seattle and that is willing to take phone calls at any time. They are not a hotline. There are national hotlines that can be accessed through the web, and they're great. But these folks are coaches that help step-by-step walk women and men through the leaving process, like how to find the resources that they need, just the emotional encouragement and uh, non-judgmental friendship that they are able to give. And they're really a safe place to call and to get just the support, the listening ear, no pressure. But here, I'm here if you need help and we can walk through this together so you don't feel alone. That really takes a burden. It's like a gift. So you get this gift like, I am not doing this on my own. This is really scary, but I have helped. People that have walked down this road before, survived, and now are thriving, those are the people who can help me. And so, yeah, uh, havencc.org. 
great. That's a, a wonderful yes. resource so good. Uh, that can be really immediate in that way if you're finding yourself in a crisis situation yes, right now. that's right. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, when things are perhaps feeling not right for a mm-hmm. number of different reasons, that's where I feel that your book can help us and maybe even prior to a relationship you Mm -hmm. know I can imagine uh, young women young Mm -hmm. men too reading and seeing some of these pitfalls doing what we can imagine this world if we all work on healing ourselves then we come together yes those wonderful relationships (laughs) that's exactly right yeah then we get to the lovers relationship (laughs) right where we're able to love one another and uh, experience love in return uh, yes, but sometimes when we, I call them soul holes, uh, we have original wounds, maybe uh, wounds from our family of origin or maybe trauma from our past or just uh, functionalities that aren't so functional. I think we call them dysfunctional <laughs> uh, patterns of behavior that aren't working. And sometimes those holes attract other people who don't have our best interests in mind. Um, sometimes if we have trauma or if we have abusive relationships in our past or just a uh, woundedness from our past, sometimes it opens us up very unwittingly. We don't realize we were doing this unconsciously. It opens us up to attract more of the same, uh, cause there's something about, oh, you know, I'm, this is what I'm worth. And so when those, uh, maybe more abusive or Uh, exploitative relationships like the users and the abusers in the book that I talk about when they come along sometimes our red flags aren't alarming us Uh, sometimes we kind of think well that's so familiar that maybe it's not a big deal Uh, well I could I could see why he would have said that or I could see why he would have done that and so we excuse them and then they they become quieter and quieter and then we don't hear them anymore but those initial red flags are important, at least to check out. Um, some, uh, I had a client come uh, one time and she said, I'm in this new relationship. She was so wa- wonderful, a lovely, lovely lady. And she came in and she said, I'm in this new relationship and I feel confused. And that confused feeling was, was a, a big red flag for me. I thought, Confused is not exactly the thing you want to feel when you're in a new relationship. You want to feel uh, maybe exhilarated. You want to feel excited. But if you're starting to feel confused about something, there's probably some mixed messages that are being sent. Um, something I called incongruent. Like there's one, beha- there's a behavior. I'm watching and observing a behavior, but then it's incongruent with actually what he says or what he's presenting. And that should alarm us because that's kind of our inner alarm system that's saying, hmm, something's off, something's not right. Um, And so it is important to listen to those red flags and uh, things that happen over time. If we quiet that alarm system down, then it becomes the new norm. And then we end up feeling like that we're not worth uh, better treatment or we're not worth being valued in the relationship because we've just kind of shut those things off. One of the dangers from something like that, too, is, well, maybe it's okay right now. He, she will change. I can be the savior and help them be all they can be, right? Right. And there's that actually... 
as dysfunctional as it is over time, the heart of it actually is not such a bad thing. You know, the heart of it is I want to be helpful. I want to be empathetic. I want to be loved. So the heart of it is not actually a bad thing at all. Um, but it may not be practical and realistic long term, especially with people who use exploitation as the major means of connecting. Um, when uh, users and abusers are really in a class of their own, when it comes to absorbing other people, um, when it comes to using other people for their own gains, whether it be an emotional gain, uh, whether it be financial gain, or whether it just uh, their own uh, wanting to control things. Um, when a empathic, caring, helpful person gets attached to an abuser or an, a, a user uh, or more of a self-absorbed person, uh, they really can suck that, that helpful person dry mm -hmm. until it just feels like there's nothing left. And when that happens they often discard the person and go find someone else or do something else. And then the person feels completely abandoned and left behind. The thing that they were trying to avoid from the very beginning happens, and then they have to restart. So um, those warning signs from the very beginning are important to listen to. And if you don't quite know what they mean, if you ask maybe some trusted individuals or you go into counseling, kind of like my client did, and I'm feeling confused about this, help me tease it out, help me sort it out, that can be really helpful for some enlightenment. And then you have a little bit more choice, a little bit more power and control in your life, and then you can have those opportunities to, mm, I don't think I like that, maybe let's, I want something different, or I don't like it when you talk like that, I want you to talk kindly or with respect. Um, and setting those boundaries early. When a boundary is set early with a user or abuser, it can curb some behavior, but more times than not, it tells them that you're not the person they want. <laughs> because if you're able to set a boundary and keep your boundary and follow through with your boundary, you're probably of no use to them. And so they, more times than not, will probably go their way and go on to somebody else who uh, they can exploit. But you have just uh, gotten free from something that could be really bad for you. And probably what has happened is the awareness to be doing self-work, mm -hmm. finding out what those soul holes, I love that terminology. Oh, yes, That's great. really Thanks. perfect. So finding what that is in ourselves and working to heal it Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, healing soul holes. Number one is a process of knowing that you have value and then doing what it takes to prove to yourself that you do. <laughs> um, and it's hard to do that if, if you don't feel like you know uh, that it hasn't happened to you in the past. Like I didn't, there's no one that has really shown me any value then it happened, that kind of gift happens inside relationships. So we really do need to have some safe people in relationship with that give us that kind of value um, so that we can start healing. If you're just feeling completely alone and forlorn, then I believe attaching to some kind of benevolent higher power, like in the 12-step program, that 
can be very helpful too. If you don't feel like you have it inside your heart or inside yourself, then attaching to some, calling on some benevolent higher power is very, very helpful because then there's a source outside of you to come up with this stuff. Like I, I don't feel loved and I don't feel like I can love myself, but I wonder if something or someone out there could. And calling on that and then start experiencing it yourself and then start putting some safe people in your life, like a counselor, um, like a, maybe it's a 12-step group, like um, a community group or like a club of like-minded women or like-minded men who can help support you on some of your self-improvements or your growth or your healing. Um, that is, I think, all those wonderful things are done in community. Community of the self, relationship with the self, and then relationship with other people. And Michelle, you do a lot of work, or you're on the board with Havens, correct? I actually just am a consultant with, uh, yep, yep, with uh, Danielle. And you have done work with homeless women. Yes, has it been uh your experience that the often they end up in these circumstances because of leaving a relationship? Oh, that's such a great question. I was at I was was at a board meeting yesterday with Acres of Diamonds, actually. And um, that is a, a program for women who are, are homeless. And it's a, a two-year program for them and their children to get sustainable, get independent, get job skill training, and get safe. And there's actually 56% of the women that come through Acres would say that they are there leaving domestic violence. Uh, around 40% uh, would say, that, and this is a trending probably throughout the nation, not just uh, unique to Acres of Diamonds, but about 40% would say that they're homeless or at Acres uh, because of um, chemical dependency. And often those two things can go hand in hand because there it, there's so much pain, emotional and physical, in a, a domestic violence situation that chemicals are used to numb and to cope. And so um, often those two things go hand in hand, but homelessness is, um, is a product of many broken relationships. Mm-hmm whether it be the relationships that someone grows up in or whether it be the relationships that you're in today. And they break down, and uh, it's very, very difficult to get the support you need if you're reeling from emotional, financial trauma, physical trauma. And that, though, is what needs to be addressed. I mean, it's so multifaceted, but really to be a long-term solution, doesn't it come back to looking at those soul holes Mm -hmm. and doing the healing work? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Um, It was uh, actually, I'm laughing because uh, you are exactly right. When we heal, then we are better able to raise our children. We're better able to stay with employment. We're better able to uh, be in community with the other people who are around us in a healthy way. So then things start improving for us. Things start going well for us. You know, we're able to um, show up to class or we're able to um, keep down that job. Uh, We're able to sustain so the state doesn't take our kids away, those kind of things. Um, So healing ourselves, although it seems insurmountable sometimes, 
to, if the wounds are so deep, uh, healing the self will result in these other parts of our life going better. Um, homelessness is one of those uh, factors that we uh, think of as um, uh, relation, broken relationship is at the core of those, or the relationship even with the self. Mental illness, of course, is a, is a cause of some homelessness. So as we, uh, I like what you had to say, that as we focus on healing those soul holes and we invite other people to help us heal those soul holes, admitting that we need to heal those soul holes, all of those things, um, that's really a wonderful first step to start making a difference in our lives. Well, maybe the thing to say is all of us Mm -hmm. have some degree of soul hole, so not to have any kind of shame or embarrassment around it. Well, that's a great point. I think one reason why we don't admit that we have some brokenness inside of us is because there is shame attached. But if we can find those safe people like Havens, um, uh, the women, the homeless women and children who come to Acres, find those safe uh, staff support people that, yeah, we're, we're on the road too, right? We're, bad things have happened to us and we have done things that we're not proud of and we're all in process and we're going down this road together. And if we can come, number one, um, not judging ourselves harshly, not judging someone else harshly, that's the beginning of real healing mm-hmm. because then we can be weak. We can be vulnerable. We don't have to have it all together uh, in order to be loved and accepted and to still s- stay in the relationship. So you're right. Um, healing the soul hole is the beginning to so many of our greater goals in life. So a great way to get started, perhaps, or even to, if we're on that journey already, Mm -hmm. I think there's such great information and insights. And like I discovered the terminology soul holes (laughs) from your book, Michelle, losers, users, and abusers, and the women who love them. It's in that way, it's um, a very gentle and reassuring way to just maybe scope this out and see what might register with us. Mm-hmm. And you lead us through stories, I mean, totally neutral in the sense of there's no identifying yes. factors. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, um, if a story in there seems familiar to you, um, all details have been changed uh, so dramatically that it probably is in its original story. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yes. And the vignettes that are used um, have happened in my practice and my colleagues' practice over and over and over again. So um, if you think you might be alone in experiencing some of the things that you're experiencing, um, there are other people who have experienced uh, that same thing or something very similar and have overcome and have found the help that they've needed, have done some self-discovery. Um, and the thing about healing soul holes or discovering yourself is that it gives you a lot of power. Maybe at first, you know, admitting like, gosh, I really have this awful thing in my past or I have this awful thing going on in my present, admitting it to someone who is helpful and trustworthy actually is a whole lot less um, uh, painful 
than one might think. Once they admit it, they actually, there's the second uh, feeling that comes after the initial bomb drop uh, is a sense of empowerment. Like, okay, now it's out there. And if there's some things that I can do to make it better or to make me feel better, then let's explore them. And once somebody starts exploring what they can do, there's this whole new level of self-empowerment. And that really just gives someone a lot of motivation. And then they start making the changes. And the shame that they once thought would be uh, just impossible to live through uh, actually is very small. Exactly. That's such an important um, statement and encouragement because I think holding the secrets is such a burden Mm -hmm. that it just locks us away. It's its its own kind of prison. Yes. Oh, oh, you're so right. And we start to kind of fold in on ourselves thinking it's the worst thing of the worst thing ever. And um, and to talk about it or to let it out or to admit it seems like it might crush us. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's the thing that sets us free. Yes, I know. It, that is so important to understand and embrace and mm-hmm. and to share the experience with others to encourage uh-huh. them. That uh, it it is courageous. Mm-hmm. And I th- there's that sense of empowerment that comes from feeling like, I did that and and feeling stronger. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I wish I knew a little bit more about physics and energy. <laughs> and I wish energy had a color so I could see it. <laughs> but you're exactly right. What you're talking about is those things that happen inside actually motivate us, make us feel better, make us feel like we have more um, opportunities, more choice, more power, more freedoms. And they really set us free from some of those other things like depression and anxiety mm-hmm. because they get us moving again. And um, I wish there maybe it would be red or something like energy, the red energy. I'm sure there's some yoga guru out there who knows <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. But I think it really does um, motivate us to do something different. And especially when we can connect with a safe person Uh, Let them in on a little thing, on those little things that are going on inside us. And it helps us to take that next step, the encouragement to take the next step. And that's what is is so uh, wonderful and powerful about talking about this is finding, I'll call them the solutions, or finding the path to becoming all of who we are meant to be. On this life journey mm-hmm. and finding that lover relationship mm-hmm. that yes. is meant for us. That is exactly right. As we set boundaries for ourselves, keep us safe. Um, as we start to share our lives, our pain, our struggles with other safe people, then love And lover's relationship, that kind of I see you, I know you, and I accept you unconditionally, is possible again. And maybe it starts with we have to love ourselves enough Mm -hmm. to take that first step. Sometimes women don't feel like they can do that, but they can love their kids enough. Sometimes, well, I can't do this for me, but I can do this for them. Mm-hmm. or finding some important person or thing or object, or even if it's a memory, I'm going to do this for the memory of that important person in my life. 
if they can attach some kind of love to, if not the self, to someone else, and that that's worth it enough for me to take that next step to safety or to healing or to risk a uh, positive risk in a, in a loving relationship. Um, that's really good. Just, yes, just the best gift of all for ourselves yes, and right. for the future. We should mention your website, Michelle, in case people want to get more information. Oh, yes, that's great. Thank you. Uh, com, uh, And that is all O's. So I've told my uh, husband, I took my husband's uh, name 20-some years ago, and I told him I was going to go to the courthouse and change it to Holloman because that's what everybody says and spells. <laughs> but it is Holloman. So it's com. And it actually has an interactive um, assessment. So if you're thinking, hmm, I wonder what kind of relationship I'm in right now. There's uh, about a 10-question assessment, uh, very simple, very fast, that helps you. Am I in a, a user relationship? In a, am I in an abuser relationship? Am I in a lover relationship? And you can uh, just take a quick assessment to find out what kind of relationship you're in. See, another wonderful gift. Yes, resources. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, you have been a gift this morning, Michelle. It's been wonderful to have you be with us and to open up our eyes and our hearts to great possibilities. Thank you so much. And your audience is wonderful. And I hope that they can learn something from this and it will really impact their life. That's my hope. Mine as well. Thank you. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Michelle Holloman and Sunday Morning Magazine with Diane Harding-Price and Sue Ives McCollum. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I'll get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Click on the On Air tab, then the Podcast tab, and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of healing. Simply healing in the area you know is the one for you. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning, 